night, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back, however, later this week to talk about the fallout from the NBA draft, fallout from NBA awards night, Dwayne Casey winning coach of the year. That's hilarious. Uh, And everything else that's going on in the NBA. And as we get hyped up for NBA free agency, uh, Chuck apparently is going to come to Las Vegas for one day, I believe on his way to Denver. So it'll be exciting to have Chuck in Vegas with me for just a Maybe just a few hours should be really good. Um, Today's episode, we talk about the draft, but kind of from a fantasy basketball perspective, have a friend of the show, Josh Lloyd, on to talk about that. He got me very excited about the Grizzlies draft pick, which is something I hadn't been that excited about. I I guess I should talk about it a little bit because everyone keeps asking me how I feel about the Grizzlies draft pick of Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I I cannot begin to form an opinion, and I feel like it's a pick – well, we're not going to know if it's a good pick for many, many years. Like maybe he comes out of the gate and it turns out he is a mixture of Chris Bosh and Kevin Garnett. But I'm assuming he's going to take a long time to develop. And so, unfortunately, for those of us who have been critical of the Grizzlies, uh, we can't really criticize it for years because we kind of have to wait and see. It's a, it's a pick for the future, which is both good and bad because I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be great. But anyway... Uh, that's the brief answer on how do I feel about the Grizzlies draft. Yeah, that Javon Carter guy sounds great, sounds super fun, you know, with keeping that grit grind thing alive, but it also seems like a pick made for PR purposes only. Uh, so I, ha- I have my doubts. But again, i am uh, been damaged and hurt many times, and that's my defense mechanism. Put up a shield. All right, well, if you want to get more Fast Break Breakfast and support the show, the best ways to do that are to write a five-star iTunes review, or if you've already done that, to support us at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. There we post bonus content. Uh, We have a Slack chat. You can join for $3 a month where we talk about everything uh, around the clock. It's been a lot of fun getting to know all those people in there. Later this summer, we will be having our fantasy basketball signups that will be available to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we'll have a free agency game. We keep having games with where we mail you prizes. So uh, again, it's just a fun community of our biggest fans. If that sounds like something you want to get involved with and obviously help the program keep going, you can do that at patreon.com slash Fast Break Breakfast. One more time, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is an analyst for Basketball Monster and the host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Mr. Josh Lloyd. Josh, how are you? Hey, how are you going? I'm going great, man. Good to have you back on. You're also hosting uh, Locked On NBA, the main the main feed right on Mondays. That's correct. Yeah, host that uh, host that show on Mondays now, which is has uh, been really good. Uh, be honest. Does living sixteen hours in the future in Australia did that give you like a leg up for being able to host the Monday show? You're like, I can record this Monday night. It'll be ready for Americans first thing in the morning, Monday morning. 
yeah, basically, I, I record it like uh, Monday lunchtime here and it goes out like really late Sunday night. So everyone wakes up Monday morning and there it is. It, it does give me that little bit Man, of an advantage, I think. You got that, get you got all, that leg all up. Sorted through the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great, man. Uh, very excited to have you back on. You were the first ever guest on Fast Break Breakfast. So uh, I could quit right now. It'd be a nice bookend. But I won't quit. Um, but you, uh, you've never been much of a breakfast man, but word on the street, sources are saying perhaps you started trying breakfast. Uh, can you give me more information? This is true. Um, yeah, the, the numerous times that I've been in this podcast, you ask me what I eat for breakfast, and I say, unfortunately, I don't eat breakfast, but that has changed. Over the past, I don't know, I'm going to say two months, maybe three months, I have started eating oats for breakfast. So I have oats. Um, with uh, vanilla flavored yogurt, I chop up a banana, dust it with cinnamon, and that's my breakfast. Nice. How? Who introduced this to you? This sounds like a life change that maybe someone taught you. Yeah, that's 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 accurate. It was uh, <laughs> it was my girlfriend who uh, who brought that uh, brought that to me. Said, "Oh, you should try oats." And I think you know what? I'm not really all that interested in this. Um, but and it was going. I was going through like a you know, trying to lose uh, lose some weight, and you know, breakfast is so much starch and carbs and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, oats they're Decent enough in protein, low calories. Let's try it. Mix some yogurt in. Work perfectly. And uh, yeah, I I really don't enjoy it now when I um when I when I have to miss them if I'm like not around or I've got a, a rush and I can't have my oats in the morning. It's it's disappointing. So I am converted. That is that's an exciting news. I mean that uh, man, I, I feel warm all over. I I know I, I know it wasn't me, but I want to take some credit. I feel like there's some, I mean just like maybe in the back of your head you were thinking you know I've heard good things about breakfast. You know, and uh, I, I guess I was I'm, definitely excited when you when you messaged me to say, you know, do you want to come back on to the show? And I said, you know what, I'm going to have good news here because I'm going to be able to tell you that I'm eating <laughs> breakfast now. So it was it was definitely playing in, on my mind. That's great. Well, your your main job on uh, covering fantasy basketball, uh, you, you get to project out, you know, in the off season to what a lot of these rookies are doing or what they might do. So obviously, with the NBA draft just in the recent rear view, I wanted to have you on, and I feel like I talk to you kind of every summer, um, just about maybe what some of these guys are going to be doing next year. So let's just start at the top of the draft. Um, You've always told me, because uh, again, I guess a little background for people who don't know, I actually just started playing fantasy basketball three years ago. Like I, I'm as much as I've followed the NBA for forever. I never enjoyed fantasy basketball, but I, I finally got into it a few years ago or I didn't like the conflict. I didn't re- like wanting, you know, my team to win, but knowing if that guy hit a shot on the other team, it was good for me in a fa- fa- fantasy basketball situation. So that's why I didn't play forever. But now, you know, I've gotten into it and, uh, I, I do. I, I like it a lot. I got to tell you, Josh, I'm really into it. So, um, but, but you, you told me the last couple of years, like generally stay away from rookies in most standard leagues, like non dynasty leagues. But I got to say, Josh, the last few years I've taken some rookies and, and, and it's paid off. Uh, I think your point was always, if you're drafting a rookie, you're drafting them for like their best case scenario. So that's the, I guess that's the reasoning. But anyway, looking at these guys, uh, the top of the draft had some guys, I think fantasy basketball players are going to be expecting a lot from. So what are you projecting for the guys at the top of the draft? Like DeAndre Ayton, where you've seen him drafted and have you started projecting out what you think his numbers might be? I think what you said there was a real key portion of it. And it's like, you know, you got, they're going to have high expectations. You said that people are going to have high expectations of the rookie. And that's that's why you know, in the past I've been, you know, don't 
draft these rookies because people have ex- exceedingly high expectations. Now, of course, Donovan Mitchell was fantastic last season, but nobody saw that coming, and he was really not drafted in, in a lot of in, in most leagues. But if you were wanted to get your hands on uh, Lonzo Ball, or if you were going to draft Markel Fultz, you had to waste a pick in the 60s or in the 50s, and you, know, you probably wouldn't have been necessarily well. You definitely wouldn't have been pleased if you took Markel Fultz there or, or Lonzo Ball in that spot. And they were the clear t- top two sort of players in a fantasy situation. So in general, again, you, you do tend to draft them at their best case scenario. And there's always going to be weird type of scenarios that exist, like the the Gordon Hayward injury, which opened up this opportunity for Jason Tatum. And he yeah, clearly outperformed what he'd done in college. We saw Donovan Mitchell do that. So weird stuff does happen. But as a general rule, unless I'm looking at the last couple of picks, it's really hard to, to look at a rookie in those mid-rounds because we just don't now. Now, in saying that, there is still a, a ton of talent in this draft when we're looking at uh, the, the value of these guys heading into next season. I'm not as big on DeAndre Ayton for his fantasy value as what some people may think. I think the the, the shot blocking uh, might be an issue. He might not be able to get as yeah, a large amount there. Assists will be minimal, I imagine. Steals won't necessarily be great. Rookies in general suffer issues with efficiency. And a guy who, who did shoot a high efficiency in college, if that comes down your four, five, six, seven percent even, that's going to take a, a little bit off the top there. So that could be a concern. He's going to get minutes. We've got no doubt about that. But I don't think his value uh, – he'll probably end up going in the, in the 60s in drafts, and I won't want anything to do with him in that sort of area, more an 80s, 90s sort of a player. Um, so there's always going to be some hesitation with, with lots of these guys. Are, are, do you go ahead at this time of the year? I mean, obviously, it's really early in the summer. Do you try to project out what you think his numbers will be? Like, are you thinking, like, have you given specific numbers or averages of what you might predict? No, not yet. I, I do that normally through August once all the free agency signings have settled down because it's all dependent on who, who else is around on the team. Like, I could come in and say he's going to average 15 and, and 7, but if the Suns pull trades, if they pull a trade for Kemba Walker, then all of a sudden, you know, 27% usage goes to Kemba and it goes to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton gets pushed down to the third offensive option and when he's on the court with TJ Warren, where does he fit in there? So there's many different things in terms of how all these uh, things are, are going to slide together. So I normally approach that in August. In terms of what I do uh, do at this time of the year or you know, over the last couple of months is look at their college stats and use historical trends to try and translate what it would be if they were on a neutral NBA team and played 30 minutes. And, and Aiton wasn't the guy who came out with the most value in this group of players. It was, in fact, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. who came out. But his situation going to your Memphis Grizzlies, he's probably not going to be seeing 30 minutes a night straight away. So his ability to hit threes, block shots, and be really efficient, score and rebound well, probably won't translate as well as Aiton uh, will. But yeah, DeAndre was probably the sixth Best guy in terms of uh, translating across from those uh, you know, top 10 picks, not not up the top, not in those uh, top one or two zones, mainly because of his low steal, low block rate in college, which didn't translate that well. Well, I was going to move right to Marvin Bagley, but you got me all titillated talking about uh, my Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, being at the top of this projection. That's exciting. Uh, what, what do you what would you imagine even his ceiling would be just as a Grizzlies fan? I don't. I can't imagine him doing much, but now if you're telling me this, this, uh, you know, if you look at his historical comps based on his college numbers, that it does turn out to be like at least even a good statistically good player, uh, that, that gets me excited. If I look at, you know, and this is just real, just rough stuff, looking at what they did in college and translating across the NBA across 30 minutes, like he had the potential to be a top 50 player 
this season if he was getting those numbers because of the really high block rate in his limited minutes. You know, really good free throw shooter as a big man. Decent steals, good rebounding, hits you know, threes, can score a little. And you can tell, oh, look how little he averaged. But he played limited minutes. He played out of position as well. Um, it, it's the blocks, it's the efficiency, steals, rebounds, threes, points. Like He can cover it in many different areas. That's probably not going to come to fruition this season because he's either going to be playing next to Marc Gasol or playing behind Marc Gasol. And he's not going to get 30 minutes. He's not going to see large usage. But he is a guy, I think, that has real top 30, top 25 upside in the next four seasons as a guy. And he's, a in terms of dynasty rookie value, I think he's got a real chance to be comfortably the best player in this class. I think it's probably going to be Doncic, but Jackson's right up there. And he, his ability to contribute in all those fantasy categories is huge. And I reckon he'll slide down in, in a few of those type of drafts and be a little bit of a value guy. It's exciting. I might have to. I might definitely have to waste a pick on him. Uh, so uh, looking at the Kings, who took Marvin Bagley with the second pick, that obviously throws a wrench in, in their weird front court. I mean, I know... Um, like Willie Colley Stein is not a high value guy. I definitely was streaming him in a couple of leagues at the end of last season. Does he automatically, you think he's going to get some stats? Like does, does that, is he going to be able to play alongside Willie Colley Stein? What do you see uh, Marvin Bagley doing in Sacramento? Well, Keith, I think you're you're missing the the major point here, and that's that Dave Yeager is going to play Zach Randolph and Costa Kufos the majority <laughs> of the minutes in that yes. in that front court. We know exactly what he's going to do. He did it last year. They actually sent Scalabusier to the G League so that they could play Costa Kufos and Zach Randolph in that front court. We saw Willie Cauley Stein you know, not start for big chunks of the season so that Zach Randolph and Costa Kufos could play. We saw Cauley Stein's minutes limited when realistically in a development year they should have been going here, play 31, 32 every night and let's see what you can do. It started to change when we got to March and that's, that's where I have real concerns about what Bagley's going to do for this season. What the hell is Jaeger going to do? Is he going to limit him? You know, when clearly Bogdan Bogdanovich was their best player last season, he was limited all, all season and we only towards you know, the end to, middle to end of the season did he start to ramp his minutes up. So that's my real concern with that love affair with Randolph and, Kuf, and Kufus that he has that Bagley's not going to be touching 30 minutes straight away probably mid-20s. And if I talk about having a lack of defensive numbers that I did with DeAndre Ayton, then Marvin Bagley's significantly worse. I cannot block shots, doesn't get steals, doesn't really pass at all. Good rebounder, can't shoot, can score, bad free throw shooter as well. There are significant concerns. And to me, uh, with the minutes concerns, with what Jaeger could potentially do and, and the way he runs his rotations, plus those lack of defensive numbers, poor free throw shooting, not hitting threes, he's not a guy that I look at as – I think he'll be significantly overdrafted in fantasy leagues. Could be very wrong, but I, everything is translating in a not positive manner for him for next season. That makes sense. But maybe the Kings don't own their pick next year, so there's no reason to do that whole spread out the minutes and kind of develop, you know, I guess that that's, actually that's could be bad. Confusing. You're right. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. making your argument. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're going to say, well, we don't have our pick. And this is the thing. Last year was their opportunity, and they still they lucked into that number two pick because they had the seventh worst record. Right. That, that was their opportunity to go, let's see what all the, we've got a ton of young guys. Let's see what, let's not put Zach Randolph and Costa Kufos out there so we can win these close games. Like what's the point of this? Why are we, why are we doing this when this is our opportunity to, to lose some games because we won't have the pick next year. Now it's like, Hey, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go for wins. I don't know how Jaeger's going to approach that, but I have very little confidence in his ability to put the rookies in a good developmental spot. So, uh, so I'm probably not drafting in, uh, any Sacramento Kings. Uh, I, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> oh, look, no, I think I think Bogdan might be in a good spot. Maybe Buddy as they head into their their next, uh, you know, their third and or second and third season respectively. But Jaeger's Jaeger was an absolute nightmare to try and deal with uh, rotation wise last season. All right, well, 
pretty much the only excitement of draft night was that the Mavericks traded up to get Luka Doncic. Um, obviously, the super hype Slovenian, everyone has been excited about him for years, it seems like, on NBA Twitter. It looks like he's landing in a great situation in Dallas with Rick Carlisle, uh, a good spot to learn. What is that, how is that going to translate, though, do you think, for fantasy basketball? Well, Carlisle has in the past been a little bit weary of, of playing rookies. And we had that concern a little bit with Dennis Smith before last season, but Smith played 30 minutes a night. He started to ramp up again towards the end of the season, but he was a starter from day one. And I've got no reason to think that Doncic isn't going to be playing 29 to 30 minutes. He, we've seen Carlo come out and say he'll, he'll match him up at the four. They'll run some of those weird small lineups. He can handle the ball. He can play the two, the three, the four, the one. He can play all these positions. He can rebound. He can hit threes. He can score. He can get assists. He can generate steals. He hits free throws. He gets to the line. I think he's going to be a really top guy. And I think that he has the opportunity, along with uh, Trey Young, to be the number one uh, fantasy rookie for next season. And he is the guy that I would take number one in any sort of dynasty format. I love the spot. He plays off ball. He can play with point guards. It doesn't matter that Smith's there. They'll play together. Um, really interested to see how this all, all pans out for Doncic, but it's a, it's a sensational. Yeah, he, he, I don't think he'd be able to succeed in most places, but this is a great opportunity for him in Dallas as well. And Trey Young, who you mentioned, is he gonna? Would you anticipate, or could you guess, is he gonna have the green light in Atlanta just to get all the usage he wants? And obviously, I guess that's dependent a lot on what happens to D- Dennis Schroeder. We assume the Hawks want to move on from him, but do you think like can he play alongside Schroeder? Will, will he be, get all the touches and shots that he desires? Uh, Travis Schlenk was saying that they can play together. I'm not so sure I believe in that. I think there's almost zero chance that Schroeder is on this team when the season starts. I think that Young will be in there. I think yeah, Schroeder had a, a 30% usage rate or pl- over 30% usage last season. And when he is gone, then that's yeah, – maybe it's not necessarily going to go to Young, but a massive, massive amount of that will go there. And I think that he will be probably the rookie leader in scoring would be my guess. And also, we have to remember he led the uh, entire NCAA in assists as well last year. So a guy that can rack up those numbers. Defensive, he's got defensive concerns, no doubt, but he can get steals. And the Hawks aren't winning anything. They don't care. They're not going to be out there you know, benching him and, and you know, having him out of the rotation because he struggles defensively. They want to work on that. They want to see what how that can improve over the next couple of seasons. I think he's going to have a big opportunity. You're going to have issues with poor field goal percentage, but he hits free throws. He's going to bang in threes. If he, if he hits two and a half threes per game, I don't think anyone should be surprised. If he gets to 17 points a game, I don't think people should be surprised. He has got the perfect opportunity uh, with the caveat that we're saying that Schroeder moves, which I think is pretty much going to happen. All right, so we hit the we hit the top five picks in this NBA draft. Are, are there other picks from the NBA draft that you think might be worth selecting or owning in a non dynasty league? Uh, probably not. You could make a, an argument for Wendell Carter Jr. Depends on what the Bulls are doing with Robin Lopez. He's a guy that that does translate quite well as well. Good rebounder, good shot blocker, good percentage type of player, steals, can pass the ball. Uh, so if they decide to go that route with starting him and playing him 27 or, or 28, he could have value. Um, there's not many other guys. Yeah, Bumba, I don't think he's going to be playing enough minutes in Orlando to be that guy with, with both uh, Nick Vucevic and Bismack Biombo. although I don't think Biombo should be too much of a concern, but Vuce is still going to be there, so that's going to limit uh, Bumba's ability. And we look at Maybe a guy like McCall Bridges in Phoenix, but Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, they're all still there as well. Dragon Bender, uh, Marquise Chris will play at the four and the five too. So I'm not sure he will necessarily get enough minutes. And these are more guys yeah, like Carter, Bumba, 
bridges that you look to stream off a, off a waiver wire when they get that opportunity. But an interesting guy, I think, is another Phoenix player, is Ali Akobo. Um, I reckon at some point he's going to start for them at, at point guard. Probably won't be when the season kicks off, but I could see when we hit, hit to February that he could be the starting point guard for that team. Are there any, for those of us who are playing in any kind of like dynasty formats, are there any other like deep, deeper sleepers, guys that you're thinking you should probably grab? Like I know the, the one dynasty league I play in, we, we have a rookie draft every year, but uh, where we keep, I guess like one or two guys, but are there any of these guys that you think might be worth picking this year for their future production? Yeah, there's quite a few guys. I think the, uh, the, the rock DJ Robbie Williams in, uh, in Boston, um, massive shot blocking potential, uh, rebounding, field goal percentage, and in, in, in a great spot as well. Uh, Zaire Smith has true superstar upside, and whether he gets that is probably a low probability that he gets there, but the defensive stuff is there, the, the shot blocking, the steals, the athleticism. Uh, I think he's a, a, a long-term option type of guy. You look at Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks, another really freak athletic center who, again, if Ennis Cantor's out, Christos Porzingis is injured, who's he battling? Like Luke Cornett for minutes? Like There's an opportunity there. Kyler Quinn's already opted out. So he could come on at the second half of the season. And the other one who I couldn't believe slid this far in the draft is De'Anthony Melton in Houston. Now, he's not going to get much of an opportunity with James James Harden and Chris Paul around, but those guys aren't going to be around forever. Things change, people get traded, and Melton is one of those guys. Think along the lines of a DeJounte Murray, but probably a little bit more of a projectable three-point shot and a better, better distributor gets those assists, can get some threes. And if that starts to come around in a great opportunity and a great system to learn there, I think he is one of those late guys that should be should have been drafted way higher and will have more fantasy value than what uh, his draft uh, selection spot would indicate. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has never been easier thanks to SeatGeek. They've created an amazing app and website that makes ticket buying easier than it has ever been. They pull all the tickets available on other sites in the one place so you never miss a deal, and more importantly, you aren't wasting time. You can even set alerts for upcoming events, and they'll let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I use it all the time. SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price you get to see the full ticket price from start to finish, and they never surprise you with big fees at the checkout page. Now, here's the best part about SeatGeek for all of you out there listening to Fast Break Breakfast. My listeners who make their first SeatGeek purchase get a $20 rebate. And to get it, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code, then enter promo code Fast Break Break. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It does not get any easier than that. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code FASTBREAKBREAK today. All right, so those are the rookies. Looking at some of the returning NBA players and looking at free agency and kind of the question mark throughout there, what what free agents are you keeping your eye on the most as far as fantasy impact and how it'll kind of maybe relate to like the entire league? Well, of course there's the obvious ones. There's LeBron, there's Paul George, Chris Paul, like wherever they go, they're just going to do what they do pretty much. Now, if they all end up teaming up, then there'll be slight hits to what they end up uh, doing, but they're, they're the major ones. But outside of them, I think a guy like Marcus Smart is really interesting. People sh- you know, really have an issue with his you know, shooting and understandably, you know, can't hit 30% of his threes, can't hit 40% of his shots. That's fine. 
But if he went to a situation, say Phoenix made that play for him and signed him as a restricted free agent, he was their starting point guard. People go, oh, you can't be a point guard. He absolutely can be a point guard. He can rack up the assists. He's a massive rebound guy. He gets steals at a high rate. And even though he shoots the three poorly, he still shoots it and he still gets them. He still makes them. It just takes him a lot of attempts. But he gets there. And in the opportunities we've seen him running the offense in Boston, he can be a top 100 guy. And if you put him into a different situation in Phoenix, I think that he could, well, maybe it's not Phoenix. Maybe it's Orlando. Who knows what it is? But put him into a full-time starting point guard role. He could he could get out there and average six, maybe seven assists per game. Five, five and a half, six rebounds, two steals. And that's really, really valuable. So he's one of the guys that's not on the upper echelon that could really change his value. The other one who I think it's really deep sort of stuff is Alex Len. He didn't really get a massive go in Phoenix and people will tell you he sucks and all this. I think that he was treated poorly there. He was played out of position. He was never given an opportunity. He was you know, shunted in and out of lineups, limited minutes. He goes to a team that needs a center. Maybe it's Dallas and he can come in there and play 27 minutes. He can block shots. He's a pretty good free throw shooter, efficient. He can rebound. He can score okay. He'd be someone that could have a, a sneaky jump into sort of standard league relevance if he if he lands in the right spot, which, of course, isn't going to be Phoenix. What are you projecting for uh, some of these injured guys? Or not even injured guys, guys who had down years. I'm thinking specifically about Isaiah Thomas. Like, if I was to start, uh, say I'd started a dynasty league this summer and we were having a draft, how, how do you even project, like, maybe what Isaiah Thomas would give you next year? I can't see him... I don't know. I, I can't see him returning to the 16-17 uh, Isaiah Thomas. I think that's done. He's you know, approaching the age of 30. Hip surgery that didn't get better all year. Well, hip injury, sorry. And then he had hip surgery. That problem's going to be with him the rest of his life. And he was always going to have an issue as a small point guard that when the athleticism dropped by 5%, then he was going to really struggle. And we saw that last year. Now, maybe he can have a, another top 70 season, but I wouldn't be banking on too much more after that. And I, he'd be a guy that I'd be really, really hesitant on in terms of drafting in dynasty leagues. So I think that in two years' time, he could very comfortably be out of the, out of the league. Oh, I could see that happening. And we trust that Kawhi Leonard's going to play basketball again? Yeah, but... <laughs> That injury, as much as there is you know, consternation with him and the Spurs and being upset, that's a degenerative condition is you know, what I understand. So while he'll be back next season, how long will he last? Will it cause him problems? Will it sap his athleticism? Will it cut two, three years off the end of his career? These are all distinct possibilities. This is not he broke his leg, uh, he broke his arm, he pulled a hamstring. This is like a, a thing which is – like an arthritis type of situation in a tendon where it's just continually getting worse and not necessarily repairing itself to the level that it was before. So that's, that's a concern. Definitely. All right. So wrapping up, I want to hit just a few short points about setting up fantasy leagues or different fantasy scoring systems. Again, like I'm a novice at fantasy, but like I've been running some for our Patreon supporters. I know obviously with your uh, locked on fantasy basketball, you run all your, your red rock listener league. So you, you've been a commission so many times. Uh, and I know you have strong opinions on the categories. Everyone can agree. The turnover category is terrible. Uh, you were last time we talked last year, you were experimenting with like some different ninth categories. So uh, have you settled on a different ninth category um, for rotisserie scoring? Well, yeah, what we did last year is we took turnovers out and we uh, got the field goal percentage and split it into two-point percentage and to three-point percentage. I think it worked pretty well. 
The other option I'm considering is going with rebounds, taking turnovers out and taking rebounds into offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. Yeah, some people will, will keep rebounds and have then offensive. And I, don't, I hate the double dip. Like, the, okay, you yeah. get an offensive rebound, that adds to offensive and it adds to total rebounds. I don't like that. So that's another way of doing it. Yeah, I really don't like turnovers um, in leagues. I am keeping them in quite a few of my leagues this season just because people are used to them, just a, a consistent thing. The one thing I do wish that we could get, and fantasy uh, providers haven't uh, developed this yet, is the, the NBA hustle stats, which is like a combination of deflections, yeah. uh, sc- screen assists. I think there's a couple other things they put in there. But that's the thing that, that tends to favor the big men as well. You know, guys like Rudy Gobert, March and Gortat, really high on those hustle stats. Marcus Smart's there as well. Deflections are a key thing. Uh, contested shots is another one uh, big for, uh, for Robbie Covington as well. So that, that's what I'd like to have as that ninth category, something that's rewarding defensive effort, which is, you know, sc- or, and screen assists, the stuff that's that you know, prior had been unquantifiable or, or not unquantifiable it just hadn't been quantified but we can do that now i think if fantasy leagues start keeping that as a stat that'd be something that i'd be looking at, at trying as that ninth category i also would if we're going to do turnovers i still wish it would be more of like a, a turnover percentage it's like something related to usage i just hated like the more a person plays the more turnover he gets it seemed like a weird it seemed like a weird punishment um uh in in leagues that have either eight category or even nine categories is there across fantasy leagues like an accepted tiebreaker for the leagues I ran. I, I didn't do a tiebreaker. I just said, all right, if there's four, four categories, you guys tie. And in the playoffs, if you tied uh, the best regular season one, and some people are like, Oh, I thought it was going to be points as a tiebreaker. So is there like a standard, what people is an accepted tiebreaker? No, what, what you did is, is the standard there. I don't like having one single category as being that the standard during the year, if they finish 4-4, they finish 4-4. If they finish you know, in the playoffs 4-4, whoever had the highest seed, which encourages you to win those games during the regular season, they get, they get the matchup. That's exactly how I set mine up. Your highest seed gets the, uh, gets the win. All right, and if I'm gonna, if if you were starting a dynasty league, or if I'm gonna start a dynasty league, what are like, what's the most important thing, or what are some favorite aspects of dynasty leagues that you you think people should make sure they include if they're starting a new dynasty league? This is pretty topical for me because I've actually just started six new dynasty leagues for this season. I've already got six running, so I'm starting another six. For this season, for all our listeners of the podcast and Twitter followers, so that's a ton of them going on there. You've got to have solid rules in place. Um, you've got to be able to adjust to those rules um, as, as things change. But one thing that I have introduced into all my dynasty leagues is a, a step-in rule, meaning you know, that you can't trade multiple consecutive years of first-round picks so that players don't come in, trade all their future picks in rookie drafts, and you know, try and win now and then quit the league and leave the team with no assets in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm in- instituting that. So if you're trading future first, you have to have um, – you can't trade two years in a row of that. I like having uh, larger rosters. You know, you can have a dynasty league, 12 teams and 13 players, but that's like 150 guys rostered. It's not really a true dynasty-type setting because – there's 300 players sitting on the waiver wire at any time and you just end up rotating those guys in. So I like having larger rosters where you know, your ability to to determine these players' value and, and acquire them at different times and be able to just sit them on your bench without having to use them is a part of it. And I also like, as you said before, having rookie-only drafts at the end of the year. Now, some, some leagues will do it where you have a draft each year of a couple of rounds, but it includes free agents and rookies. I just like it being just rookies you must pick rookies in this draft. That's something that I always put into all of my dynasty leagues is that those drafts, when you're trading those first round or second round picks in the future, that it is only for rookies and for, for nothing else. 
That's pretty good. Uh, I got to get you to try out our negative fantasy league, our international stackhouse of pancakes negative fantasy league. It was not. <laughs> it was not a roto league. It, it was a. It was a league that rewarded missed shots. The more shots you missed, like the points kept increasing. It, the more shots you made, the more points you kept losing. It was a roller coaster, Josh. I'm telling you, it was the most fun fantasy thing ever. Like a guy hitting a three pointer was devastating, and uh, and so and wow. so everyone is riding with these high variance guys. Like you're watching. Uh, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's having a terrific, <laughs> who's having a terrific scoring game, you know, for the negative league, he was having an awful game. And then you're watching him like just fire up, uh, you know, garbage time minutes. I mean, garbage time shots. You're like, please don't hit a three. And oh man, I'm telling you, it was a, uh, I'm going to share you my formula and, uh, and you can have fun with that. Please do. Uh, last question. How high should I draft DJ Augustine as he's the only guard on their land of magic? Man, it's so weird. They just waved Shelvin <laughs> Mack today. Yeah. Augustine was like a top 60 guy last year once they traded out Alfred Payton and he was getting those minutes. And we've seen him be like a top 50 type player when Brandon Jennings went down in Detroit before he got traded to OKC. Uh, Augustine, that is, in run with Chicago. We also saw him suck when he was with Toronto and, and with Indiana. But he seems to be just solid at the moment. Now, I do think that they are going to really be in play for Dennis Schroeder. That's the one I'm looking at there. I think that, yeah, that with... Atlanta won't be getting much back in return for Schroeder at all. I reckon you can get. I reckon you might be able to get him for a pair of seconds. I, I could see that. I could see them doing that. I could see them even doing a, a straight Vucevic for uh, for Schroeder swap as yeah. well in Orlando, given the the presence of Bumba. I think he ends up there. But otherwise, Augustine's got top sixty potential if he remains the only point guard there. But surely they're getting someone else. Surely <laughs> he's the only guy on the team that can like. I guess him and Fournier are the only two guys who can dribble. Yeah, it's a. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> It's it, it is a weird weird time. unless unless they're really going to bank on uh, Rodney Purvis taking on that role, man. And also, I feel bad that Alfred Payton's <laughs> Alfred Payton's a free agent. That guy is, was money every year for March and April. Like you know, like just get 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 Alfred yeah, oh, Payton. Yeah. He's going to come through when uh when all the you know when winning time is over. Alfred Payton's going to rack up those stats. And now I don't know what he's going to be. He'll probably be a backup somewhere. Uh, I'm sad. Uh, Alfred Payton fantasy relevancy has died. It is done. All right, Josh. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, go ahead and plug all the stuff you want. So people who are listening to this, who are like, I want to get involved with the crazy dynasty league. Uh, so let them know where they can find all that. All right. So the, the preference for guys who, who do want to join these dynasty leagues, it goes to my Patreon subscribers. So that's patreon.com slash redrock underscore Beeble. That's also my Twitter account, redrock underscore Beeble. So you can go and follow me there and you can subscribe to the podcasts, which is locked on fantasy basketball and locked on NBA wherever good podcasts are given away for free. Very good. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, are you going to Vegas? I'm not this year. I just actually came back from Malaysia. That was my overseas trip for this year. Oh. I've been to Vegas the last three years. I'm taking this year off, and I should be back there next year. Well, I'll miss you. Uh, do you have any good Malaysians breakfasts? Malaysian breakfasts, uh, when, whenever you go there, it's always two sections. Here's the Malaysian section because they're all like uh, buffet-type uh, areas or, or, or you can eat type thing. Here's the Malaysian area. Here's the Western section. Sure. The Malaysian one, uh, Nazi, Nazi Lemak seems to be the one they ate all the time. It's like uh, a coconut rice with its anchovy chili uh, sambal and, and chicken put in that. They just have noodles. They have rice. They have curries. They just have pretty much anything that you'd have at any other time of the day is their breakfast. But Keith, you'd, you'd appreciate this at the resort that I went to at Langkawi. The, uh, or you can eat breakfast. You go into the, the buffet and you go around and go, here's the, here's the waffles. Here's the croissants. Here's the toast and the toaster, you know, the automatic toaster where it rolls on the rack. They've got this beautiful selection of, of jams, passion fruit jam and watermelon jam. I haven't seen these before. These, are, these look nice. And then you go around to the next section, 
and there's a bottle of vodka sitting on the bench. <laughs> What's going on here? It's like, make your own Bloody Mary. Just a huge bottle of vodka, jug of tomato juice, celery sticks. And I went, oh, I know it's 9 a.m., but come on, I'm sitting at the pool. Let's go. Uh, that's and great. Every day, every day, new cocktail at the breakfast buffet. Just bottles of, yeah, make some sangria. All right, cool. I'll, uh, I'll do that. Make, um, I don't even know what else there was. Make something with rum. Yeah, no worries. So just all you can eat, like, all you can drink, alcohol at 9 a.m. But what do I care, man? I'm on holidays. <laughs> That's perfect. I've never heard of the make your own cocktail, uh, like, like like cocktail station, ne- neither right I. beside the omelet yeah, station. Exactly. That's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> it was really, really bizarre, but I was, uh, I was there for it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, once again, it's Josh. Thanks a bunch. I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks to Josh again. That's Red Rock underscore B-Ball on Twitter, and you can find his Patreon account, where if you want to join uh, some of those intense dynasty or salary cap leagues, he's got it all going on there. And again, locked on fantasy basketball. He talks about fantasy basketball pretty much year-round, almost every day. So if you're addicted, definitely check that out. If you want to get involved with our fantasy basketball leagues, uh, those will be getting set up in the summer. It's not too early to start thinking about it. And again, we are thinking about starting a, uh, a dynasty league there. So those are available to our Patreon supporters only. So you got to go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast and you can get involved with that there. All right. If you want to follow me on Twitter? I'm fast break break. You can like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being TNT. Fast break break, man. You understand?